Hey guys, how's it going? I'm Lisa. And I'm Eric. Welcome back to the Music Matters Media Podcast. And today we are going to be speaking about a mutual favorite band of ours called Neck Deep. You got a lot to say about them. Eric was extremely kind and treated me out to a wonderful experience this past Friday. And today we are going to talk about it. Yes, we are. There's a lot to say and I'm super excited. Me too. But I have to tell you, Eric, our international top three this week is absolutely insane. Really? Yes. I'm excited. Yes. So let's get right into it. Coming in at number three, we have Malaysia. Wow, Malaysia. Never before on the list. Congratulations, guys. Now, this is the real shocker. The real shocker. Because they were coming in strong for seven weeks straight but as a surprise this week falling at number two the united kingdom wow wow but still you're in top three so that says a lot so thanks a lot forever forever in the top three so much love to the uk truly phenomenal though seven weeks straight at the top yeah that that is worth mentioning you guys are incredible no matter what, but seven weeks straight? I mean, come on. So, Eric, who dethroned them, you may ask? Oh, man. (laughs) I don't know. A lot of contenders. Coming in at number one. Drum roll, please. Germany. Wow, nice. Germany. Shout out to my uncle. I feel like he had a huge part in this. Nice, man. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. If you're listening, shout out to my uncle. Love you. And it's nice to have Germany on the list. Congratulations, guys. Not only just on the list, but at number one, they were able to do it. They dethroned the UK, something that I never saw coming because they just kept coming back at number one again and again. People probably thought it was rigged at that point. (laughs) Listen, I mean, I have a feeling they're going to come back strong. So there you have it, you guys. That's our top three of this week. Coming in at number three, Malaysia. Number two, the United Kingdom. And number one, congratulations. Germany took the top spot this week. And that is our international top three. But have no fear. If you want to get on our top three next week or any week after that, all you have to do is share this podcast with your friends, with your families, with any loved ones you may have in your life. And we could be shouting you out next super cool i can't get over that me too man that's that's insane so diving right in 
neck deep. Let's talk about it. The concert experience. First time seeing neck deep going to a specific neck deep show because I've seen them live before on Warp Tour for a smaller set, but this was my first time at an actual neck deep concert. And this was my first time seeing them at all. So this was really cool for me too. So we saw three opening acts prior to them, Stand Atlantic, WSTR, and Trophy Eyes, and then it was them. And let me just say, I was just totally blown away completely by their live show. They are just phenomenal. Ben is one hell of a frontman. Yes, definitely. And I'm not exaggerating here. Definitely one of the best frontmen in pop punk I've ever seen. I would agree with you on that because the amount of energy that was given on that stage was pretty phenomenal. He was everywhere. He did not stay in one place at all. He was very interactive with the crowd. And you can just tell that he was very excited to be there. And I love that. I love the fact that it's not something that just becomes routine and that each night is equally as new and exciting. And he tries to give that experience to each specific show instead of doing the same. Because I I know of musicians that travel and do the same things, the same tricks, say the same lines, everything over and over again. And it feels a lot less personal. And I feel it was the exact opposite with this show. I feel like he went out of his way to make sure that people would remember the show. Yeah, he totally made it as personal as possible to us and, you know, got into some really cool stories throughout it all. And one thing I was really excited about, or yeah, not, not so much excited as impressed about, was how he could move around so much and still maintain such control of his voice like he yeah that is so difficult to keep your voice intact like that while you're extremely out of breath moving around and and you know what i mean bouncing around on stage that takes some serious skill and i was also going to mention that on this podcast as well his voice has come such a long way since they first started you can tell that he's had some serious vocal training and that he's really exercised his voice from when they first began up until now. And you can tell that uh, throughout the album, you know, and the progression of their debut up until now. And you can tell that live as well. So I was very happy that that translated over in a live setting. And speaking of that, I'm glad you brought that up. It's very interesting to hear the way he sings the very early material now with his more trained voice. Because, you know, back in the early EPs and the first album, it was more shouting and all of that. But now with the newly refined voice, it's cool to hear what that sounds like. Yeah, it was like talk shouting. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it wasn't necessarily singing. It was just like shouting very loudly uh, and being very aggressive. He was a lot more aggressive uh when he was younger, he had that angst. Uh, not that he's still not extremely punk rock now, because he is, definitely is. But uh, you can tell that he's able to express himself in a lot more uh, fluid way. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot less effort for him to, you know, really sing those songs specifically. And it sounds really good. And Eric, can we just talk about his speeches for a second? Because that's a part that I really, really enjoyed 
about the concert aside from the music itself of course but I love that he took the time to talk in between songs and I know sometimes people have a problem with that where they're just like get on with it you're rambling we just want to hear the music but it was the quality of what he had to say and the meaning behind some of the songs and the stories that he was telling that really had an impact I feel. I was genuinely happy that he said what he said in his speeches because it's it's kind of like what I've been thinking for a long time, so it was super cool to hear it from him, you know? It's like if anyone was going to say this, it had to be him. What was your favorite part of what he said, of something that he said? Oh man, so many things, but if I had to pick two, the first one would be what he said about their music, saying that he hopes that if they've done anything throughout their career, it's to help people deal with their personal problems through their music. And I can certainly say that that's been the case for me because when I first discovered Life's Not Out to Get You, it was at a time when I was kind of in a transitory period and I was desperately looking for something to cling to and that album really gave me that. So that's the first thing. And the second thing was I believe when he was in the middle of telling the story about the song 1970-something, he you know, was talking about the concept of love and how it's kind of fading in today's digital age. So I love that he brought up the whole, you know, love should be this instead of just swiping through Tinder or whatever. So I thought that was really cool to hear it from him, you know, shows me that someone wants to keep the faith alive in that respect. <laughs> totally. And going back to the album, Life's Not Out to Get You, that was seriously such a life changing album, not only for the fans, but for the band. I feel like that album really elevated them to the next level. It did huge things for their career and it really showed uh in my opinion it, it was a capsule of some of the best of their abilities as a pop punk band and I think it was an extremely strong effort and it's one of those uh staples of pop punk of the genre in general and for me personally I can safely say that's one of my favorite albums front to back of all time. If I had to make a list of favorite albums of all time, that would definitely be on it. There's not a bad song on that album. Yeah, I totally agree. There was a time period when I first discovered it, maybe a couple summers ago, where every day was just that album didn't skip a single song because everything just resonated so loudly with what, what I was going through. And I'll, I'll agree with what one reviewer said it's one of those albums that you just don't hear all that often anymore especially in the pop punk genre and explain why because i feel like people who haven't listened to it yet or people who don't know who neck deep are that are listening to this explain why that album is such a crucial album and why it's so different and separates itself from every other pop punk album in the genre because it's that early 2000 sound that you and I and a bunch of other kids my grew up favorite, listening to. My favorite era. So nostalgic about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you listen to it, you can't help but think of early Blink-182, early Fallout Boy, early Green Day, you know, even early A, a Day to Remember, which is key to their sound. You know, you, you hear this and you're like, holy crap, I'm surprised this didn't come out a decade ago. Which, fun fact, Jeremy helped produce the album. Life's Not Out to Get You, and he was on the song uh, Kali Ma. Yeah, that was a really cool guest On the spot. outro, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. That's definitely one of my top 
moments throughout the album when Jeremy comes in at the end. Me too. And also with this album, before we get into their new album, I just want to say to to cap this off is with Life's Not Out to Get You, not only just the sound of it, but the message, you know, the messages behind it, I think really are what make it such a distinct album compared to others because they give you messages of hope. They give you messages of reassurance. They give you, they basically hit all these emotions where if you feel like you're second guessing yourself, if you feel down in yourself, basically if you're feeling human and you're just going through a rough patch in life, this would be the album to listen to. I can, this might seem like an exaggeration on my part, just because I feel like you know me inside and out at this point, and you know the countless bands I've heard throughout my lifetime and still continue to listen to. And I can probably name you a bunch of albums that have helped me throughout life. However, I think that I'm not exaggerating here when I say this is the most therapeutic album I've ever listened to. Because, you know, it's it's got everything. The music, but the lyrics especially, are what really helped me through that time that I'm talking about. And for me to be able to say that is no small feat because I'm very selective about which albums I say help me out. Yeah, same here. So I'm glad that not only is it a great album as a whole and that it's nostalgic and in its sound, but I'm glad that it achieves exactly what it sets out to do, which is to help you. Absolutely. And with that, that is the perfect segue into discussing the rest of their catalog. So initially they came out with two separate EPs. One was A History of Bad Decisions and the other one was Rain July. And then they ended up mashing both together into one. But their first debut full-length album was Wishful Thinking. And that was released in the beginning of 2014. And then we have Life's Not Out to Get You in the summer of 2015. And now we have The Peace and the Panic that came out a little around over a year ago. Uh, I believe it came out in August 2017. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. Sounds awesome. I'm really excited because I definitely have a lot to say about it. So we have 11 tracks here. I'm just going to run through them. Motion Sickness, Happy Judgment Day, The Grand Delusion, Parachute, In Bloom, Don't Wait, Critical Mistake, Wish You Were Here, Heavy Lies, 1970-something, and Where Do We Go When We Go. So I feel like we were both excited for this album, but we also had very high expectations for it. I mean, how do you follow up an album like Life's Not Out to Get You, you know? Very hard. Once that bar was set, I even said it going into it, I'm like, this is going to be a very hard album to top. And I said that to you before we listened to The Peace and the Panic, because they just set the bar so high. Yeah, so going into this album, we were both super excited for it. And I can say for myself, I truly enjoyed the album, but it definitely had a little bit more variety than I was expecting. It definitely had a lot more, uh, not more of a lighter sound on some songs, so to speak. Like it definitely had a mix of the heavy that they're known for, but with a little bit more lightheartedness in there too. So let's start off with the negative. <laughs> now, normally I don't say that, but uh, I feel like it would be better to end on a on a positive note. So let's just get all the stuff that could have been better out of the way first, and then we'll get into why this album is a good album. So some of the songs kind of felt a little bit the same. 
in my opinion. I kind of feel like they bled into each other in terms of like the themes. There was a lot of overlap, a lot of overlap. Songs that could have been just a dedication in one song turned into several songs later. And even songs that maybe weren't based off of the same theme had similar lyrics in it. So that's the issue that I have with it. Now, let me just say that I know that a lot of this was written based off of the fact that Ben, the lead singer of Neck Deep, his father unfortunately passed away. And this was a very therapeutic album for him to release and vent and express himself of what he was going through at the time, before and after, and his feelings and emotions with that. So, you know, out of respect for him, I totally understand that. And that's why I'm not as critical about it. But at the same time, I just feel like there is a lot of overlap with what he is trying to say and the message that he's trying to get across and I feel like it could have been a little bit more condensed yeah I would have to agree with you on that too I that's another reason why I totally understand the whole message and why the album was made the way it was so in that respect I totally agree however I just want to say that after going to see them live my perspective on some of the songs actually changed you know because I feel like that's natural anytime you go see a band live you come out with a new appreciation for some stuff that you either overlooked or that you were kind of on the fence about. His speeches definitely did help too. I feel like once he, you know, gave us the backstory and broke things down and made it even more personal and then went into uh, a song about that, it kind of had a way different impact and took a whole new meaning because you can kind of get obviously an idea because people heard about the news unfortunately and so you can go into the song knowing what you know but it's totally different when he himself speaks out on it and gives the real personal details and backstory something that he didn't even have to do by the way that nobody has to do uh, because that is an extremely private and personal situation but it made me appreciate him even more for being that open and honest and vulnerable in that moment and you're right it definitely helped out with my feelings towards certain songs as well yeah so listening to the album after the show you know I I enjoyed the songs way more than I did prior and you know it just made for a better experience I totally did the same thing as you too by the way once we uh got home from the show I listened to Life's Night Out to Get You All Over Again I listened to Wishful Thinking All Over Again I listened to Peace in the Panic I just went on a whole neck deep uh catalog for the entire weekend because I was still so hyped and coming down from the high of going to that show hell yeah you know I you know, whenever I just went to go see a new band, I need to, you know, get those feelings out. So I just put on their catalog and just, you know, let it run its course. Another criticism I have about this album is that it's very sporadic. And I feel like Life's Not Out to Get You had an overlying theme. And it had a theme of you can get past your personal struggles and you can persevere. I feel like that was the the overall theme of that album. With this album, there's so many things going on in it, and I'm not saying that's bad, but at the same time, I would have liked to for it to be a little bit more 
reeled in and have more of a direction. And not all albums are like that, of course, but I just feel like this album was all over the place. It, like he kept saying live, it's like a roller coaster of emotions. You go from, you know, this is a happy song, now this is a serious song, this is a political song, now this is about, you know, death and tragedy. It, there's just a lot going on, and I feel like it's a lot harder for people to appreciate this album as a whole because there is just so much to absorb that you really have to listen to it over and over and over again to understand everything that's going on throughout. Yeah, I understand what you mean. It's like, you know, some albums upon first listen, everything stays there. You know, you you capture everything upon first listen because it's all just, you know, you, you can truly connect with it. However, some albums, other albums, you have more of a hard time, like remembering everything from the get-go. Sometimes you need to process it more because there's too much going on or there's different meanings to different things. But I actually just thought of something interesting. Maybe the reason why it's the album is so sporadic, I mean, it's, it's in the title, The Peace and the Panic. I'm thinking that, you know, half of the album definitely has its own, you know, share of peaceful songs. The other half of it all heavy songs, all, you know, violent, fist-pumping songs. So I kind of feel like, I, whether it was on intention or not, you know, the title of the album kind of does say it all in respect to why the album feels a bit disjointed. Yeah, you're totally right about that. It's it's definitely more chaotic, and there is a lot going on in, in both, you know, sides of the spectrum. So... That's something that people can either really enjoy or not. For me personally, it it really just threw me off. And I'm going to be honest, there's a lot of songs on here that I choose to skip when I'm listening to the album regularly or it's in my daily shuffle of songs. At the same time, though, there are a lot of really solid songs on here. So when they hit, they really do hit. But unfortunately, when the song misses... It's something that I just kind of skip right over. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like sometimes you just, you try your best to like something, but it just doesn't connect with you on the same level as maybe other songs that you heard. One thing I will say about this album is I love the instrumentation of it. That's one thing I feel that they truly kind of up their game on. I feel like they upped their, maybe not up to their abilities, but they kind of really showed what they could do individually with their instruments on this album. And for that reason, I, I think that's why I like the variety on this album, because it kind of gives them that room to really showcase their abilities on their instruments. You know, there's a lot of songs on this where I found myself saying, wow, you know, the bass player's really doing so well on this song. What is your least favorite song off this album? It's hard to say now that I've heard the album again after the show. It used to be, funny enough, where do we go when we go? Uh, now? Hmm. That that's a very difficult one for me to say, honestly. But if I could, if I really have to pick a least favorite, maybe critical mistake. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, not because. Do you have I, any reason for that? I feel like that's where that whole overlap thing we were talking about comes in, where I kind of feel like by that song, whatever's discussed in it has already been discussed in the previous songs. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, we're we're back to that again. Like you've heard this before. Yeah, so it's like, you know, well, at this point, I'm hoping for something new or I'm hoping for us to move on from this. But, you know, I, I guess if we're discussing this again, eh, you know, it doesn't really capture my attention as much. But uh, 
Yeah, that would be my least favorite on the album. For me personally, it would be 1970 something. And let me make this very clear, not because of the lyrics. The lyrics themselves are fantastic. I love the story behind it. I love the meaning behind it. Nothing to do with that. It purely has to do with how the song is structured and the melody. And it's just, it really throws me off. I feel like it's a song that people really have to warm up to. And it's just something that I could never really fully get into. I feel like if the instrumental was different, it might have a different impact on me. But I love the message behind it. I love the story he said at the concert. Yeah, I I love that he elaborated on the song's meaning, that it's based on a love story about his parents having met in the 70s, and that they saved themselves from uh, having to live lives that at the time they didn't really want to want to live, you know. Um, they had both, or rather they were both stuck in relationships that they didn't like, and upon finding each other, they kind of saved each other from from their fates, so to speak. It's a beautiful love story. It is such a good... I just wish that it was structured differently. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's it's one of those songs where the lyrics and music don't match. Exactly, yes. It's, yeah, yes, it's, it's so Eric, weird, right? nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I've had that before where it's like, you know, I, I listen to the music and I'm like, wow, this is great, but the lyrics don't really speak to me. Or if the lyrics are great, the music is a mismatch. Right, that's how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah, you know, it's a weird feeling to have, but, you know, I, I can totally see why you would say that. However, you know, the speech that he gave was just beautiful, beautiful and yeah, I'm glad he did it, you know. Shout out to Ben. Seriously, we love you, man. And going into the more positive aspects of the album, because there's plenty of moments on here that are fantastic so much good to say about this album. So, Eric, let's talk about some of the things we really, really enjoyed about this album. So, I will start. The lead single, In Bloom, when that came out, I lost my mind. Lost my mind. Because it was such a throwback, the sound of it, to early pop punk. Uh, it reminded me of like a Green Day vibe or something like that. Yeah, me too. It definitely reminds me of that early 2000s pop punk sound. I thought it was just awesome. And I love the message behind the song. Hits hard. I know a lot of people can relate. Yeah, the the need to recover from something that's something that everybody needs. And again, this this goes back to one of the things they do best, crafting a song and having it connect with the listener, you know, having that effect on someone. Another song I want to shout out is Motion Sickness. And the reason why I want to shout out that song specifically is because I feel that if you're listening to Life's Not Out to Get You, and then you're going to go into The Peace and the Panic following that, this song is the perfect bridge between the two. I feel like this song could have been on Life's Not Out to Get You. That's how good it fits with, with that you know time period. And going into the new album, this being the first track off the album, it got me super pumped for everything that was coming up after that. I feel like it's the perfect opener for this album. Yeah, me too. I felt that way as well. It's the perfect lead into the rest of the album because it's kind of like a cool, you know, bridge where we pick up where we left off and then here's another collection of brand new songs. 
But yeah, I think they made a great decision putting that as the opener. I thought it was the perfect warm-up. I totally, totally agree with you. Eric, with that, it is time to come to my favorite part of our podcast, our top three favorite songs. There are 11 songs on this album. Let's do two runner-ups and then top three favorite songs of The Peace and the Panic. Go ahead, you can go first. Okay, so my two runner-ups would be Heavy Lies and Where Do We Go When We Go. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, which is surprising for me because, as I said, Where Do We Go When We Go used to be my least favorite, but after the concert and all that... It took it, a whole new meaning. Yeah, it, it, it changed. The so. crowd was rowdy for that one. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I can't say enough about that show. It was fantastic. It really was. Shout out to Stereo Garden out on Long Island. It's in Patchogue. Fantastic venue. I know that they recently just did a bunch of renovations. It used to be the Emporium, and now it is Stereo Garden. So shout out to that venue. Super, super fun venue. I really like the way that it's laid out, and it, it was a really good time. So thanks for having us. Yeah, and shout out to Stand Atlantic, WSTR, or Waster, as they're otherwise called, and Trophy Eyes. They all did an amazing job. So, Eric, top three favorite tracks. So What are as, they? As always, this was an agonizing process. No particular order. No particular order. Um, Happy Judgment Day. Nice. In Bloom and The Grand Delusion, simply because the opening lyric, in my opinion, is just such an anthem. I think it represents anyone who is a huge fan of pop punk, you know, just the desire to be someone else. You know, what, what else can you say about that? Eric, for like the first time ever, we actually have quite an assortment of picks because mine are pretty different from yours. Really? Surprisingly wow. enough. Okay, yeah. cool. Let's hear them. I mean, there is some overlap, but for the most part, different lineup. Okay, so my runner-ups, two runner-ups are Parachute and Motion Sickness. Nice, nice, very nice. And my top three are, in no particular order, In Bloom, Heavy Lies, and Don't Wait, featuring Sam Carter. I, I was torn with Don't Wait. I wanted to pick it, but, you know, it was close. It was close. I love the message behind Don't Wait. I also want to add, we got an exclusive part of the show because the lead singer from Stray From The Path, which is a band that is from Long Island, came up on stage with Ben and sang the heavy parts. Don't Wait is hands down the heaviest song off of this record. Yeah, I, I feel like it's their most their most a day to remember sounding song. Yes. I feel like. Yeah, I agree with that. The mashup, I totally agree with that. But I love the message behind the song. And yeah, easily top three. So with that, top three, Heavy Lies, In Bloom, and Don't Wait. Awesome list. Totally awesome list. I like our picks, though, because usually we are more on the same page. But I actually like this time that we had such a wide range because it really shows that overall, this was a really good album if you have that much to choose from. Yeah, there was definitely a lot to pick from. And, you know, that's always an awesome thing when it comes to listening to, to an album. Totally. Now, if you had to rank this album in 
their discography, where would you rank it behind? We're not going to include the EPs because they don't count as full-length studio albums. So we just have the three albums to choose from. We have Wishful Thinking, we have Life's Not Out to Get You, and we have The Peace and the Panic. If you can order it around from maybe your least to your favorite, we all we can say the favorite right now. If you want to say the life's not out to get you. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. But if you were to order the other two. <laughs> this is a stupid question, but uh, no ties, right? It's got to be strictly. No ties. <laughs> Eric, <laughs> I know you're trying to weasel your way yeah. out of this one. <laughs> An- another. Well, welcome to another section of putting me on the spot. <laughs> Ranking albums. I'm, uh, g- but I'm okay. good at that. I'm good you're at that. You're very good at that. <laughs> uh, okay. So if I had to rank it. Then it would be the peace and the panic as three. Then it's wishful thinking, and then it's life's not out together. So we do really do uh, agree on that, then. Yeah. Because I would say the same thing. I, it would be peace and the panic, wishful thinking, life's not to get you top spot, hands down. Yes. On the same totally page. Agree. All right, cool. And with that, you guys, we want to know: Are you going out to see Neck Deep on tour right now? If you're not, don't know what you're doing. Definitely worth checking out live. If you haven't seen them live yet, go to this tour. Such a good tour, such a good overall experience, and a really solid album from the band. We want to know your thoughts on it, though. What did you think about The Peace and the Panic? Did you think it's their best album, their worst album? How does it compare to their other albums? What are your favorite songs, least favorite songs? We want to know it all, you guys, and you can reach out to us at www.musicmattersmedia.com. All of our social media is up on there. Everything's there. Go check it out. We got everything all in one place now. So excited about that. And as always, you guys, please stay tuned for our next episode. You do not want to miss it.